When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Euler and Motes are on the air. This is the Steelers Blitz. On your 24-7 home of the black and gold. SNR. Steelers Nation Radio. on Steelers Nation Radio. It is high noon on a Thursday afternoon. That can only mean one thing. It's time to go inside the electric factory for the solo show here on a Thursday. You've got Euler, one half of the Steelers Blitz. No mozi today on this Thursday as we get rocking and rolling here. I am right off the bat here. We got to address the shiny silver object, okay? I am a few minutes late getting on air today. If you're listening to this in podcast form later on, that doesn't affect you, obviously, but Big shout out to our buddy Jason in New Hampshire, who sent a bunch of pizza, some delicious Caliente pizza to the studio today to uh, to thank us for our season of programming here on SNR. And so, yes, I had to add a couple extra minutes to the break so I could wolf down some delicious pizza real quick before doing a segment here. And then I'll wolf down some more delicious pizza. Craig Wolfley, the wolf himself, might have it all tackled by the time I get back out of the booth here. But a big thanks to Jason. We are off and rolling today, albeit a couple minutes late, but with a full belly of delicious pizza. And we got a fun show planned for you, as always, on the solo show. We'll do some of the staples, some of the benchmarks that you expect here on the Solo Thursday show. We will do a little three things as we look ahead to championship weekend, a juicy slate of football games. Only three games left in the NFL regular season. Excuse me, I had to stop and burp there from all the pizza. Only three games left in the NFL regular season at this point. We'll get into all of that. We've got a new friend of the show. You know him, Mike DeFabo. He covers the Steelers for The Athletic. We're buddies in real life. And I said to DeFabes, I said, hey, man, why don't you have you on the show sometime? We're buddies. We hang out in person. Why don't we do this thing on the radio? So Mike DeFabo, our new cousin slash longtime cousin from The Athletic will join me about 11 minutes from now right here on the program. We've got plenty to discuss. I wanted to pick uh, DeFabo's brain on some of the potential offensive coordinator interviews and moving and shaking there as the Steelers are still searching for their new offensive coordinator. One thing the Steelers will not be searching for is a new defensive coordinator. Other side of the ball has been taken care of. Terrell Austin, according to sources, not officially announced by the team yet, but by everybody reputable around the organization. Terrell Austin, the Steelers, finalized a two-year deal to return to the black and gold, which will be his third season this upcoming year at the helm of the Steelers' defense. The Steelers uh, locking in Terrell Austin, keeping him 
uh, here for at least two more seasons with that contract. With that, uh, also as well, too, as, as Motsi would always say, right, imports and exports this time of year, assistant secondary coach uh, Gerard Alexander has agreed to a deal with the Las Vegas Raiders to be their safety coach, according to reports as well. So it's moving and shaking time. Terrell Austin staying. Uh, some others getting some opportunities. That's always going to create openings. I will talk about that in just a minute. But I'm fine with the uh, the renewing of Terrell Austin's contract as a defensive coordinator. I know a lot of people like to scream, the Steelers have the most expensive defense in the NFL, and it hasn't been good enough. Well, one, that's wrong. The Steelers had the second most expensive defense in football last year. The Chargers were first, actually. Not that that's a massive difference, but it is, we are a fact-based program here, all right, on the Steelers' blitz on SNR, if nothing else. Factually, they were not the most expensive defense in the NFL. They were actually number two. But for me... I've said this before on the program. Moats and I have talked about this before on the program. I really care about points allowed, right? Total team defense, your scoring defense. That, to me, is the number one statistic that I look at for good defenses in the National Football League. Turnovers certainly matter. Red zone percentage certainly matters. Just the pure amount of yards that you're surrendering absolutely matters. But to me, scoring defense is numero uno. It's at the top of the list. And the Steelers finished eighth in the NFL this past season in points allowed, under 20 points per game, despite some very notable injuries all throughout the lineup, particularly at linebacker and safety, as we talked about, right? That rash of losing Cole Holcomb and Quan Alexander back-to-back right after you finally felt you had the right formula cooking at that position. Then you got to go into the playoffs without TJ Watt. You missed Cam Hayward for a nice chunk of the beginning of the season. You missed Minka Fitzpatrick for a nice chunk on the back end of the season. You also had to go down the stretch without DeMonte KZ, your other starting safety, due to suspension. Despite all of that, still allowing less than 20 points per game, that's a varsity coaching job to me. I got no problem with Terrell Austin coming back. Now, one thing that I would like to see with that, I think Terrell Austin really excels on the back end, in the secondary. That's where he cut his teeth as a coach. And I think you saw that play out when the Steelers, again, I mean, they were going through the laundry lists of moving Patrick Peterson back there, Eric Rowe back there, Elijah Riley back there, Trenton Thompson back there um, after losing Minka and losing KZ and losing Keanu Neal as well, too. I was really impressed with the patchwork that, that, that Terrell Austin was able to get good results out of there on the back end. I think we all thought when Minka was out, when Casey was out, when Neal was out, okay, man, that, that secondary might collapse, and they didn't. They, they played well down the stretch. I would like to see um, another defensive assistant added to address the defensive line, the linebackers, that kind of front seven area, right? And here's what I mean by that. Almost like a a Brian Flores type, if you will. Again, I, I think Terrell Austin specializes in the secondary. I know the Steelers have a linebacker coach in Aaron Curry, but there's no rule in the NFL about how many coaches you can have. In fact, that can be one of the cheat codes. There's no cap on on what you can spend on coaches and staff and how many you're allowed to have and this and that. I think if you add one more, and obviously they're going to be looking for an assistant secondary coach is, is now too, but I think if you add one more person to go with TA to go with Aaron Curry to work on that defensive front linebackers down linemen right that that front seven I think if you can add one more veteran mind call it a senior defensive assistant call it a a front seven specialist I don't give a rip what you call it 
then I think you're really cooking with gas. Somebody who's got that background there of success with their front seven, add somebody like that with TA's expertise on the back end, with Aaron Curry entering year two coaching that line, those linebackers, that's when I think you might just have the perfect blend on defense, particularly if you can have a little more fortune in the health department, unlike these last couple of years. On Twitter, at Wesley Euler, that's where you get at me. That's one of the things that we'll talk about with our buddy Mike DeFabo when we return here on the other side, rolling along today, the solo edition of the Stella's Blitz. I'm Wesley Euler, and you are listening to Steelers Nation Radio. This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. Solo edition of the Blitz today, but never alone. We have friends. We bring those friends along. And making his first ever Steelers Blitz appearance, our buddy Mike DeFabo of The Athletic. Now, some of you might remember, if you've been rocking and rolling with us here for a long time, I used to do a show on 970 called The Afternoon Delight. DeFabo used to join me every single week. He covered the Penguins at that time. Now covers the Steelers for the Athletic. DeFabes, what's up, cousin? How we doing? Hey, I'm doing great. I appreciate you having me on the show. And like you said, my first time, I kind of feel like Joey Porter Jr. running out of that tunnel for the first time. Like give a little leg kick for a little emphasis before we get going. Oh, no, I love it. That's a great reference there. You got to do the PZ Senior leg kick if you're going to go with that one. Hooray! You know, that's always welcome around here a couple times as well, too. Uh, Mike, buddy, let's get right into it. I mean, it is, you know, it's, as, as Moats likes to joke, it's import and export season. A lot of coaches um, leaving their current jobs, being hired at new jobs. Before we get to some of the potential, of course, we know Steelers looking at offensive coordinator and some names that have been floated around. Defensive side of things, it doesn't look like the Steelers are going to have much work to do there. Terrell Austin coming back on a two-year extension. Um, obviously not officially announced by the team yet, but everybody credible uh, that we trust reporting. So first, is that a surprise to you? And then second, do you like the move of, of retaining T.A., of bringing him back? I don't think that this is a surprise. I mean, now Terrell Austin has had a lot to work with. The Steelers have pumped a lot of first-round picks. They've also paid a lot of those guys handsomely, so he has a lot of talent to work with. But I think the best thing you could say about Terrell Austin is the work that he did the second half of the season. There was a situation where the Steelers were down their top four safeties, their top three inside linebackers, two to three inside linebackers at one point, and yet you didn't see a dramatic drop-off. You know, as much as we talked about Mason Rudolph coming in and really surprising people with his performance, just as much uh, of that those three-game winning streak had to do with the defense mm-hmm. holding up its end of the bargain with guys that they were quite literally pulling off of their couch to play. So, you know, I think that he works very well with Mike Tomlin. I think that they're in lockstep there. So this just seems like the logical move and, and very well earned for a guy that was able to do so much with so little at the end of the season. Yeah, I think so too. And I know sometimes it can be easy to mock the Steelers for continuity. I know that's a pop, you know, that, that sometimes they're too slow to change. Uh, but this is an instant where I think uh, the continuity is wise. I don't know if you want to be replacing both your coordinators in the same offseason. And for everything you kind of highlighted there, for as decimated as this defense was, to still allow less than 20 points per game, to be a top-10 scoring defense in the NFL, I think that's a pretty solid showing when you consider a lot of the context around that. 
All right, other side of the football here, Mr. DeFabo. Of course, the Steelers are looking for an offensive coordinator. We know some of the names, uh, the interviews that have been floated around, uh, some big names like Cliff Kingsbury, some some Zach Robinson, some Thomas Browns, uh, maybe Arthur Smith as well, too. Do you have let, – let's start here. Is there a leader in the clubhouse in your mind at this point? Are, are the Steelers really just kind of starting to scratch the surface and get into this? Yeah, I'm sure that they're going to do their due diligence. You know, we've only heard a handful of names, but, you know, next week on Monday, uh, the Steelers head to the Senior Bowl. That's when a lot of scouts and people in the personnel side of things are all in the same place at the same time. I'm sure they'll be conducting some interviews there. You know, I imagine as well they're waiting for some teams to lose so that they can talk to guys like Clint Kubiak, sure. for example, I think is an intriguing name. But, you know, I think that they're, they're, I like – I'll just focus on Cliff Kingsbury first of all. And what that says to me is that the Steelers are willing to take a big swing. You know, that is a guy that is going to be coveted. You know, you're going to have competition if you feel like that's the guy that you want to have leading your offense. But the Steelers, it seems, aren't afraid to enter that conversation. And, and I like that about them because, you know, the, the defense, as we just mentioned, held up its end of the bargain. And often they were lugging an anemic offense along. So – Fixing this, fixing this offense is going to be the key to, to being a real contender in the playoffs. So I like the fact that they're, you know, entertaining all these big, hot names that everyone's talking about. It's Mike DeFabo, The Athletic, with us here on Steelers Nation Radio and Fox Sports Pittsburgh. Um, then which, what is more attractive to you? Because I think – I don't want to say mixed signals because, again, these things are, are just getting started and, and we – I don't want to render a final judgment until they make the hire. But, you know, Mike Tomlin in his season-ending press conference last week spoke about wanting an experienced, a veteran play caller at the NFL level, right? And then you see, um, you know, a guy like Cliff Kingsbury who hasn't been a pure offensive coordinator in over a decade and that was last in college. You know, more head coaching experience, not a huge NFL resume. Uh, a guy like Zach Robinson who doesn't have the the – the, what you would call veteran experience of, of play calling, how do you balance uh, uh, maybe a more proven track record with a, with a veteran guy as opposed to one of these younger, not as much body of work, maybe the floor is a little bit lower, but the ceiling's certainly higher. Do, do you have a preference with where the Steelers go? Do you want someone like Kingsbury because he's a quarterback guru and I want to see what we have in this final year here with Kenny Pickett and really get a verdict there? Do, do you have a priority in terms of the pecking order of what you would like to see? Well, you know, I think first, to answer your question, I go back to what the Steelers had this year. And I felt like one of the biggest problems on offense was you had a coordinator in Matt Canada who had never proven he could do it at the NFL level, leading a quarterback in Kenny Pickett who had never proven he could do it at the NFL level. And because of that reason, it was very difficult to isolate variables and assign blame. And all season long, we were saying, well, is it Kenny? Is Kenny the one? Or is it just the coordinator? And the coordinator is the problem dragging him down. I feel like you need to take that part out of the conversation. And for that reason, I definitely would prefer a guy who has been there, done that. And, and that would be more of the Cliff Kingsbury type of guy or a guy like Clint Kubiak or a guy like Eric Bieniemy if he gets an interview. So, you know, that's kind of where I've come down. At the same time, you know, Mike Tomlin was not a very well-known, well-established sure. coach when the Steelers made him their head man, and that has turned out very well. And, and so if you do believe you've identified an up-and-comer um, like Zach Robinson, you know, Zach Robinson is a guy that a lot of people believe, you know, he's going to make his stop as an offensive coordinator and then eventually become a head coach one day. If, if you feel like you believe in a guy 
um, who is an up-and-comer, I do see some value there. So I, I could see both sides of the argument. A few more minutes here with our buddy Mike DeFabo, friend in real life, new friend of the program here on Steelers Nation Radio and Fox Sports Pittsburgh. Uh, obviously, I can't have you here on SNR. I know our listeners uh, want your opinion on this T.J. Watt, on this Miles Garrett debate, right? Uh, I think everyone's kind of waiting, expecting Miles Garrett to be named Defensive Player of the Year. He was just by the PFWA, of course, uh, waiting on the AP decision. Um, h- how do you think this plays out? Do you think it's Miles Garrett's, or, or you want to uh, sit here and make the case for TJ Watt? Well, I believe that it's going to end up being Miles Garrett, even though I disagree with that. Yeah. And the reason I say that is I think it was something like eight of the last nine players who were named by the professional writers association Hmm. uh also went on to win the ap because there's an overlap sure a lot of crossover there yeah right so you're going to cast the same vote but that's not what i think should happen like i i kind of trolled online and i said congratulations to miles garrett for winning the pass rush win rate (laughs) player of the year because for some reason you know i i feel like the pff stuff has its time and its place but I don't think that it should override the regular stats, sacks, forced fumbles, you know, uh, interceptions, tackles for loss. In all of those categories, T.J. Watt is better than Miles Garrett. You can't find a stat that suggests that Miles Garrett is better than T.J. Watt, except the pass rush win rate, <laughs> uh, which is very subjective and and I don't think should be taken as gospel. So, you know, I, the other part of it is, you know, Miles Garrett was one piece of a very good defense. TJ Watt was the entire, like, he was half the defense himself. Yes. You know, you Steelers fans who watched week in and week out know that TJ easily won them single handedly a couple games there. You know, the Cleveland Browns game, the interception he had against the Rams where he returned it and set them up for a touchdown that really swung the momentum. You know, those are just two examples, but they're just numerous. And, and so I feel like, you know, his value to the team. You take Miles Garrett off of that team, you take TJ Watt out off of the Steelers. I feel like the Steelers would suffer a lot more than the Browns would. I think that's a great way to put it, Mike. I, that's kind of what I echo. To me, it's been listen, best defensive player is going to be subjective, but most impactful, I don't know how you can make an argument for anybody other than TJ Watt. But I'm with you. Unfortunately, I do think it's going to be Miles Garrett instead of TJ capturing his second defensive player of the year in what would be three years. Uh, so I guess same church, different pew. Joey Porter Jr. has been nominated as a finalist for defensive rookie of the year. Uh, really talented class there, Mike. Uh, Will Anderson, Jalen Carter, Kobe Turner, Devin Witherspoon. You think young Peasy has a shot? I, I don't think he does. Um, I think he's had a great rookie season, and there's a ton to build upon. Um, I think that he proved that that 32nd overall pick was well spent. And, you know, when he was drafted, it was easy to look at it and say, well, they're just drafting him because he's Joey Porter's son. <laughs> sure. You know, that's not the case. I, I think if his name was, was Joey Smith, he would still be a great player and great pick for them with a lot of upside. That said, you know, I think that there were some other rookies who had better stats. You know, also it, it probably hurts Joey a little bit that it took him some time to work his way into the starting lineup. Um, so, you know, I, I think he had a good season, a lot to build upon, but I imagine the voters would probably go a different direction. Yeah, I think so too. Um, it's I'd just say, I mean, if you would have told us all at the beginning of the year that he would be a finalist for Defensive Rookie of the Year, I think we all would have taken that. I think it's an encouraging sign about his future. But, yeah, I mean, you look at some of those other names on the list, it's certainly going to be tough sledding uh, for young Peasy. 
sticking with uh with with young impactful players right i think a lot to like about what we saw from keanu benton in his first season in the black and gold as it you know feels like you're really kind of ushering a new era in there on the defensive line cam hayward's not going to play forever larry o's not going to play forever keanu benton really feels like one of those pieces that you can build around for the foreseeable future yeah, so in the athletic, we recently did grades for each position group. And when it came to defensive line, my commentary there was the good news is the the young talent that you invested in is paying off. The bad news is you're probably going to need more of it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Cam Hayward, uh, obviously he's going to become a Steelers legend. He He does so much in the community. He was playing injured the entire year. He said he was basically playing on one leg. And I think it showed in his performance. And Larry Ogunjobi was more quiet than you would expect for a guy who's the sixth highest paid player on the entire team. Um, so, you know, I, I think that that definitely is a position group that they're going to need to continue to address in this offseason in some form or fashion, whether that's via the draft or whether that's via free agency. But I do think they have a young stud coming up in Keanu Benton. And, and he's a guy that just makes perfect sense. I think this was a number of things set up in his favor to, to set him up here. Like, um, you know, he played in a very similar scheme in Wisconsin. So the Steelers were easily able to project what he was going to look like in their system, mm-hmm. and they were 100% correct with that. The other part of it is this guy has a, a wrestling background, and, like, the wrestlers are such great football players because they're not just big, strong, massive human beings, but they're often very nimble, athletic. Leverage, agile, leverage, most, baby. Most, most importantly, the leverage. They know how to use the opponent, like, you know, their, their body against them. And, and I feel like you saw all those things and, and I'm interested to see what the next step is for Benton, because right now he was mostly used as, as just a nose. Um, but I wonder if he can play more, you know, the, the defensive end position in the three, in the three, four, when they're in their base defense and continue to expand his skill set, start working his way into some of those sub packages. So I feel like the future is very bright for him. And I'm really curious to see where he goes from here. Future's very bright for our buddy Mike DeFabo, of course. Oh, yeah, you like that one. Uh, before, I let you, <laughs> before I let you go, partner, of course, I, I, I got to ask, championship weekend this weekend, right? AFC, NFC championship games, only three games left in the NFL season here as we kind of wrap this thing up. Uh, how do you see this one going? Are we going to see both the top seed, San Francisco and Baltimore, and what would be a rematch of that, that Christmas Day game? The Chiefs get it done again. The great story in the Detroit Lions, of course. Uh, when we're, what, looking ahead here at, at two weeks to the Super Bowl, who do you think are going to be the uh, the two teams representing the, the NFC and the AFC? Well, in the AFC, it's always tough to bet against Patrick Mahomes. But no doubt. it concerns me a little bit that he doesn't have the same – weapons that he's had and it seems like his receivers aren't as reliable and and I look at the Ravens and I just feel like they're a team that can beat you so many different ways their offense is really dynamic Lamar Jackson might win the MVP um, you know they can beat you in a in a track meet style high scoring competition at the same time they're one of the best defenses and they have a great pressure package that's going to frustrate Patrick Mahomes and, and put him under duress so you know, I, I like the Ravens in that one. Um, and then in the NFC side, since the beginning of the season, we've been talking about the 49ers as the best team in the league. Like, I remember week one when they were coming into Akershire Stadium to play the Steelers. You know, we had, at the Athletic, we had projected them to, to win the Super Bowl. Um, I still think that they advance, but right now I believe the line is seven. I like the Lions to cover in that one, but not to win. 
Oh, baby, it's certainly going to be an interesting one. You've got, I mean, two one seeds, two three seeds, very good teams. The, the, the Chiefs, who feel like a heavyweight, the Niners, who have been knocking on the door forever, the Ravens, who are hot, the Lions, who are a great story and maybe play and have, have accomplished this a little bit different than everybody else. It's certainly going to be a lot of fun. Mike DeFabo of The Athletic, make sure you're checking out his work there throughout the offseason. And DeFabo, I just got to say, I think everybody else should take note. You and I just did a 16-minute segment here without talking quarterback, 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 Kenny, Mason, quarterback, quarterback, draft, free agency, Kirk Cousins, Justin Fields, quarterback, quarterback, Kenny, Mason, where are you going? What you doing? So I thank you, sir, for your time. <laughs> hey, anytime. And, and if you do want to talk about those things, happy to join you, and I will also rattle off those names just as quickly as you just did. All right, perfectly. Well, maybe we'll do it next week. Just uh, just keep your phone standing by. I'll, I'll shoot you a text. <laughs> Mike DeFabo of The Athletic. Thanks, partner. Appreciate your time. Be good. Absolutely. Have a good one. You too. There he goes. My guy, friend in real life, new friend of the show, Mike DeFabo covers The Athletic. Outstanding job. That kind of paints the pictures for you guys a little bit there. I've told you before, Moats jokes about it, right? I mean, my when we go out on the road and we travel to Steelers road games, I've got my older buddies in Mike Pursuta and Dale Wally. And they're not old, but they're older than me. And then I've got my age buddies in Brian Bacco, of course, who comes on the show every single week, and Mike DeFabo, who, I mean, I'm going to hold his feet to the fire now. We're going to have to have him on the show more often. Great stuff from him. Like I said, make sure you're checking out all his work in The Athletic. And, yes, you can have Steelers conversations without going quarterback, 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 Kenny, quarterback, quarterback, Mason, Kenny, Quinny, Mason, Quinny, NFL draft, quarterback, 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 Justin Fields, quarterback, 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 Kirk Cousins, quarterback, 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 Russell Wilson, quarterback, quarterback, quarterback. got to be somebody I'm forgetting. Kirk Cousins, Russell Wilson, Kenny Pickett, Justin Fields, Mason Rudolph. NFL draft, quarterback, quarterback. is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. I like this sound bed. You know, I'm in here by myself. I figure, oh, let's see, let's, let's get some new sound beds that we haven't played yet. I like this one. This is pretty good. Good beat. Good beat to read some tweets. Ooh. Maybe that's a new segment we should have, Beats and Tweets, where we just, just play beats and read your tweets. Our buddy Steeler Nation 920, Tyler, up there in Wisconsin and that. He tweets, quarterback, quarterback, Baker Mayfield, quarterback. Oh, good Lord, I forgot. See? I knew I was forgetting one. Quarterback, 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 Baker Mayfield, quarterback, 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 Justin Fields, quarterback, quarterback, Kirk Cousins, quarterback, quarterback, Kenny Pickett, quarterback, Mason, quarterback, Kenny, quarterback, Mason. Quarterback, Mitch? Eh, not so much. On Twitter, at Wesley Euler, I didn't give my normal preamble at the start of the hour because I was just all jacked up on Caliente Pizza and running a couple minutes late to the program. But yes, as always, on a solo Thursday, listen, I take your tweets every day. We take your tweets every day, but particularly when I'm in here rocking and rolling by my lonesome, uh, at Wesley Euler, if you want to get involved. Steelers-related, coordinator-related, uh, playoffs-related, playoffs? Um, Food-related, quarterback, quarterback, quarterback. Related, I'll take all your tweets. 
We'll get to uh, plenty of those as we roll along here. Uh, you know what? Let's let's stick with it for a second here because our buddy Tyler, Steeler Nation 920, also uh, tweets a couple questions for me. Better beer, Spotted Cow or Yingling? Okay, so this is funny. I'm going to go with Spotted Cow, and I do enjoy Yingling, particularly out of a bottle. It's weird. You know, there's certain beers, like, they taste different in a bottle, can, draft, the, the, like Guinness, right? Like, having a Guinness on draft is so much different than having it in a can. And having Guinness in a can is so much different than having it in a bottle. Yingling's kind of the same way for me. Maybe it's because I drank too much of it when I was younger, but I just can't do Yingling in a can. But Yingling on draft or Yingling in a bottle, I do think is fantastic. But I'm going Spotted Cow, which, of course, is the Wisconsin beer that you can only get there that Tyler was kind enough to bring me a couple cases of when he came down for the uh, the opener against the Niners. I will also say, though, Tyler, it's like... I jones for you jones for food and beverages and things like that that you can't get regularly. Like I never really crave permanis because I can go get permanis whenever I want. I do crave from time to time though a good Philly cheesesteak because I can't go to my cheesesteak spot anytime I want. It's five hours away in Philadelphia. Maybe there's kind of a uh, like a spotted cow yingling thing there. Like I can get yingling anytime I want. It's very rare that I get spotted cow. Usually only every couple years. But it's tough to beat Spotted Cow, man. I think that's one of the best beers in the country. Not that I don't think Yingling's good. I do enjoy Yingling. But Spotted Cow is tough to beat. Tyler also wants to know, what was the most memorable Steelers touchdown for me in my lifetime? That's an easy one, cousin. Santonio Holmes in the back of the end zone, Super Bowl 43. Now, obviously, the Debo 100-yard pick six was amazing. And is probably the most, one of certainly the most memorable plays in Super Bowl history. Definitely most memorable defensive play. And I certainly think you could argue that was a bigger play in the context of the game. But Santonio Holmes in the back of it, you know, that was still at the end of the second quarter. That was before halftime, Debo's touchdown. A lot of football left to play. Santonio in the back of the end zone put the clamps down on that thing. It was over. I was a senior in high school, just, what, like three months away from graduation, four months away from graduation. Me and all my buddies having a great time in Mick's basement. Yeah, shout out to Mick. Hope you're doing well, Mick. Haven't talked in a couple years. Uh, that's my most memorable Steelers touchdown for sure. Um, the Jerome Bettis run over Brian Urlacher comes into mind. Uh, the Randall L. to Heinz Ward uh, touchdown pass in Super Bowl 40 comes to mind. Um, those are kind of the first ones that I thought of, but it's it's Santonio Holmes in the back of the end zone. Hey, Chris Fumata Malafala to cap the comeback against the Browns in the first ever playoff game at what was Heinz Field, now Akershire Stadium. But it's it's Santonio in the back of the end zone. It's tone toe-tapping, baby. Because that was, that was my guy. I've told you before, the first Steelers jersey I ever bought with my own money was a Santonio Holmes jersey. I got some as gifts and things like that as a kid growing up. But when I was 16, got my first job at Target. And with my first paycheck, I bought a Santonio Holmes jersey. I think I bought a pair of Nikes as well. Too. You know what I mean? You're 16, you get money for the first time. What do you do? You go spend it right away on a jersey and on shoes, right? Typical. Uh, but that one, I don't know if it'll ever be beat. Just the stage of my life that I was at, that moment in time. Uh, I loved Super Bowl 40. You never forget your first. But something about Super Bowl 43, as dramatic as it was, as epic as it was, that happening right before I graduated high school and kind of being a great memory with all my boys from growing up. You know, we all skipped school that week to go downtown and go to the parade and everything. Uh, That's a great memory. 
Now you get me all jammed up just thinking about it, Tyler. Uh, last one from Tyler. Do you think Cliff Kingsbury gets a job in the NFL? Yes, I do. Because the NFL every single year is more and more and more and more of an offensive league, as we know, right? People are always looking for innovation on the offensive side of the football. Cliff Kingsbury has a track record. Listen, forget his track record as a head coach, but his track record with offenses doesn't have many blemishes in it, whether it's been in college, whether it's been with the Cardinals, whether it's been back in – I mean, wherever he's at, the offense always has success. And so, yes, I do think he gets a job in the NFL. I think it would have to be as an OC. I don't think he's going to get another head coaching opportunity in the National Football League when he hasn't been a head coach in a few years now and you know has been an assistant with, with USC and Lincoln Riley there for the last few years. But I think a lot of people would like to have Cliff Kingsbury on staff, particularly, again – not just the Steelers who have quarterback questions. Spoiler alert, right? There's a lot of franchises in the NFL that have quarterback questions. In fact, usually there's more that have questions than do not. So if you're someone, and I know all these teams that I'm about to name don't have vacancies, but if you're someone like the Colts and you're trying to figure out what you have in Anthony Richards, to someone like Carolina, right? Someone like Tennessee, young quarterbacks, uh, maybe somewhere like New England or Atlanta where they're trying to figure out the position. Washington where they're trying to figure out the position. I could see something like that. Chicago where they're finishing out the position. Although, again, vacancies. I know all those places that I just named don't have the vacancies, but I, I think you're getting what I'm saying. If I had an opening for OC, particularly if I had questions at the quarterback position, I would at least want to talk to Cliff Kingsbury. And that's why I'm happy the Steelers are talking to Cliff Kingsbury because they have an opening at the offensive coordinator position and quarterback, 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 quarterback. I think we can all agree they've got questions <laughs> at the quarterback position as well, too. Fair, right? Fair. Todd tweets and says, I was worried that you weren't going to be on today, but to eat some Caliente pizza and be late, I can fully understand. I need to know what's your favorite topping. Ooh. Okay, so my favorite topping, like, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a basic B. Okay, my favorite topping is pepperoni. Tough to beat. Actually, you know what? Maybe it's sausage. I don't know. My favorite topping, though, if I'm going to be a hipster here, Todd, is just cheese. I know that sounds funny. And the pizzas that we had today were delicious. One was a cheesesteak pizza. Oh, my goodness, it was phenomenal. One was a meat lover's pizza. Oh, my goodness, it had all the workings on there. And I love all that. But sometimes, too, it's weird. Just a basic cheese pizza, right? You know what I'm saying? Like the perfect sauce to cheese ratio. Maybe you throw a little crushed red pepper on top. Ooh, now we're talking. I, but favorite topping would probably, like if I could only eat one pizza for the rest of my life, it would probably just be a pepperoni pizza. The classic. Like a, a, a an actual topping, not just cheese and sauce and, and dough. I'll tell you this, Todd. I've thought about this a lot in my life. I've spent way too much time thinking about that whole, you know, what would you do for your last meal conversation that it it, it seems like always, you know, randomly pops up in, in conversations. If you were on death row, what would you have for your last meal? I've thought about this a lot. I've gone back and forth between a lot of different things. My mother's chicken parm, my grandmother's pasties, a great ribeye. Uh, you know, I, I've I've thought about a lot of different things. But honestly, my answer might be just a large cheese pizza. Just give me a good large cheese pizza. Let me eat it to the face and then put me out of my misery. That's what I think I'm going with. <laughs> but it is. It's Listen, the Caliente pizza was fantastic. A big shout out to our guy, Jay, Steeler Rocker, Jason in New Hampshire. 
for uh, for sending some pizza to me and Wolf and and at the studio here today uh, for uh, for our efforts throughout this season. We shared some with CJ. We, sh- we might have shared a slice or two with some of the other people who do some behind the scenes stuff, like our buddy Dan Quinlan, who's our game day producer. He was in here, and I said, "Hey, hey, come in this, come here, come in the studio, grab a slice of Caliente pizza. We got the good stuff." So many thanks to you, uh, Jay, not only from me, but to uh, not only from Wolf and CJ, but from uh, from one or two of the other behind the scenes staff members here um, at our iHeart Studios. Big shout out, big thanks to Jason and uh, and the delicious as always Caliente pizza. That is a perfect lunch here on a rainy Thursday in Western Pennsylvania. All right, one hour in the books, another hour to go. We'll get back on track when we come back. I, I do want more of your tweets. Get them in. You tweet me today. You're going to get your 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 question answered as long as it's show appropriate. All right. I need no. I need no R-rated material in the mentions, all right? But as long as it's PG, PG PG-13, you're all good. We'll reset second hour, get to more of your tweets. We'll do a little best of the West. Plenty to come here in hour number two. That's 60 in the books. We still got 60 to go. It's the Steelers Blitz on SNR. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. 